Welcome to Rhythm and Words, a podcast exploring the rhythm of women in their 20s. I'm your host, Vivian Crooko, but you can call me Viv. The stories shared on this podcast dive into the joys, lessons, and journeys that we experience as 20-somethings in the world today. If nothing else, I hope that the following conversation inspires you to explore your own rhythm in one form or another. This is an episode that I hold very close to my heart. Anxiety in all its forms affects so many women in my life, and possibly yours too. According to Beyond Blue, one in three Australian women will experience anxiety at some stage in their lives. One in three. Let's take a second to digest that. With that in mind, I'm so grateful to have Lillian Gordon on the podcast today, who's kindly offered to share her story and her experience of living with social anxiety as a 20-something in the world today. Lillian is a graphic designer, website developer, and small business owner, and is a beautiful example of a woman who's faced her demons and left determined to enjoy her life on her terms. Let's dive deep with Lillian. Okay, so I wanted to start off today by saying thank you for joining me and asking how you are feeling. I'm good. I'm yeah. feeling really good today. Um, yeah, had a bit of a rough sleep, but, you know, woke up, did my breathing, my priming, mm. all of that sort of thing. And, you know, I've, I've, it's a big thing for me. Like you can decide how you feel each day. So this mm. morning I woke up, I thought I was getting sick. So I got in the bath, heated my body up and ah. just like did everything I could do to feel good because... I mean, who wants to waste a day feeling like low energy and heavy and all of that sort of thing? So now yes. I'm feeling very good. Thank you for asking. That's great. It's funny you mentioned that actually because I woke up feeling like a little bit mad myself. So I'm like, go put on yeah. something nice, pop on some makeup and yeah. just like, you know, get do on with it, put on do. your perfume. Yeah. Just yeah. pretend like you've got it together. <laughs> exactly. So and I think that's like you model the physiology of it and then the psychology of feeling good follows a lot of the time. Mm, totally. Um, which is something that I try and consciously do if I'm not feeling particularly amazing. I mean, I, fa- I, I occasionally fall off the bandwagon and have a bad day. Everyone does. We all do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you can catch it and switch it around, that's what I try and do. Yeah. That's great. And I also yeah. wanted, before we got properly into it, to say thank you for trusting me to hold space for you. Because I know that anxiety is very intense and I really yes. appreciate that you've been able to come on and do this today and yeah, yeah, well, share thank your you knowledge. For having me. Yeah, this is this is a little bit scary to talk about, but also I feel like when we talk about things and we look at things, we give them less power. So mm, it's, totally. thank you for having me on for even just that reason. Yeah. Oh, yay. So I guess we can start off by, um, could you please explain what social anxiety is for you? Mm, Yeah. Social anxiety for me, and I think it's something that for a long time, the reason why I had a hard time recognising that this is something that I struggle with is it doesn't show up in what I would believe or what I had perceived as the traditional sense in terms of being really shy, Mm. um, struggling in social situations, not knowing what to say. I'm actually a particularly confident person in social situations. Um, I quite like it when I'm there. Um, And I don't necessarily have the whole thing of like, I can't do this, I can't meet these people and all of that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. I'm quite okay with it. Where it shows up for me is actually in my... um, friendships and long-term relationships in the sense that I get to a point where now I want to maintain the friendship I've made I've you know I've gone through meeting this person I've got to know Mm -hmm. them I like them I care about them and then it's like okay now I need to maintain this friendship and I pick I, I look for every sign that I've failed in the friendship. So if I reply like late, like I I take too long to reply on a message, 
then all of a sudden I've failed and why would I bother replying to that message 24 hours late? And then it starts to spiral and then it's a week later and then it's a month and then it's all of a sudden, how the hell do I apologise and be like, I'm sorry, like I spiralled because you messaged me and asked me how my day was. Um, and all of a sudden, yeah, like I've, I lose contact with people because I'm so worried about the way that I, yeah, that I've failed in the relationship in some mm. kind of way and that um, I get sick of too um, when I'm messaging because a lot of my friendships are sort of long distance and mm. a lot of messaging is a lot of people are at the moment even if you know you live close to someone it's still a lot of messaging so um I get sick of the whole thing of like messaging to apologize that I didn't reply Mm -hmm. um and it gets to the point where all of a sudden I've made this amazing friend but now I'm dreading their messages because I can't I'm I just get into this spiral and then so it's like I've begun to well, and it's a story that I'm unwriting for myself that I can't maintain long-term friendships. I can com- com- like have conversation with people um, and get to the- know them to a point and then all of a sudden the analysis paralysis stick, like hits mm-hmm. and I can't continue that relationship or that's the story I had been telling myself. So, yeah, that's how it sort of shows up for me. Um, I also get nervous um, meeting new people. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of times I pre-meeting them, but once once I'm there, I can put on a really good, maybe it's a show of confidence and communication and I'm quite okay with it. And I can almost, that confidence, if I, like I was saying earlier, if I model the physiology of someone who's confident in a social situation, um, all of a sudden I start believing it too. And so I can get these amazing boosts of confidence when I'm with people, but it's maybe afterwards that I go, holy shit, um, I said this, I said this, oh my gosh, they mustn't hate, they mustn't like me. And then, um, and I think that's just part of yeah, part of it. Wow, that's so interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah, I it feel is like, really interesting. <clears throat> sorry. I feel like there's a lot of elements to that uh, that a lot of women will be able to relate to. Like, mm. I am the worst for responding to messages. Like, I know it's oh, my... Yeah it's my bad thing. Um, and thankfully the friends that I ha- I do have and I've had friendships with for quite a while, I've had to just say to them, like, look, you know, I love you. I just don't mm-hmm. want to be um, on messages sometimes. So I just will disappear for a week or so, but I, I still care about you. And if it's important, yeah. just give me a call. But yeah, mm-hmm. it is, it does feel overwhelming, especially when you've got so many messaging platforms. Like I mm. listed all of mine out earlier this year and I was like, there's about eight. There's about oh, eight different points of contact. Oh like, this is too much. This yeah. is too much. That's like, my worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did have, um, yeah. I tried, um, you know, Bumble BFF. Yeah. And I had the same thing where you did where I was like, I started chatting and then I'm like, oh my God, just stop messaging me. Like there was just it's so, it was just so like, overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. And then I just deleted the app because I was like, I just can't do this right now. Like this is too much. Yeah. And it's like really interesting you say that. things who are like, messaging and wanting to connect and um and putting themselves out there and Mm -hmm. I mean I feel really bad I'm I'm that classic a lot of the time the friend that ghosts people which is just really horrible that that's the way that um my behavior or my my anxiety shows up Mm. um that it it's that and that's something that's really in this digital day and age that's quite frowned upon being the flaky ghosting friend (laughs) yeah it really is but I've kind of had to come to terms with that too and be like well are you doing it because you're an arsehole are you doing it because it's for your mental health and like like every time it's because I'm like I have to protect my mental health right now like I need a break so Mm. but yeah it does like people do kind of be like oh they haven't replied I'm like it's not you it's just 
it's just me. I just, <laughs> I just need a break. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Um, but something I've learned with the way that I work and I'm making a really conscious effort to um, implement implement this in my life and with my friendships and with relationships is the longer I leave a message to reply, Mm -hmm. the more time my brain has to like find reasons why I I shouldn't reply or why um, they're going to be upset at me for when I do reply because I was late, you know, 24 hours or whatever it is. Um, So it's very much like, no, as soon as I see that message, I really do need to reply. Mm And just then it's done. Get it um, over with. Yeah. 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 It's strange, isn't it? Because as much as mm. like we love the people we're talking to, oh, just absolutely. seeing that notification, you're like, ugh. Like that just sets off like a negative kind of f- mm. like fire in your brain. You're like, oh God, another yeah. one to deal with. And then like yeah. you said, as soon as it's done, it's out of your, it's out of your head. It doesn't matter. It's good. Mm-hmm. You feel good. But yeah. It's funny yeah, just getting exactly. over that hurdle. Really, yeah. And you get a really good, like I'm not, immune to getting the amazing feeling that you get when you're conversing with people like Mm. I love it I love talking to people there's yeah it's um I honestly I was speaking to Monya from Sus Life on my podcast yesterday and she's a perfectionism coach and she was talking about yeah it's really cool and she was talking about like all the symptoms of perfectionism. And I actually think that my social anxiety actually comes from, and I had a little bit of a light bulb moment last night and only last night, that um, that my social anxiety comes from a place of wanting to be a perfect friend. And whenever um. I, so I'm almost like a perfectionist. I wouldn't say that I'm a perfectionist in a lot of other ways, but when it comes to friendships, if I like, it's that all or nothing kind of mentality that is characterized, like perfectionism is characterized with that. If I don't, if it, I don't reply, then it's nothing. Like I, I failed. Yeah, I wasn't wow. perfect. So now it's nothing and now it's ghosting. So yeah, I think that was a bit of a light bulb moment only last night. Wow. Well, good on you for like mm. coming to that. Cause it is, it's the best feeling when you're like, wow, you realize something about yourself. You're like, shit. Yeah. Damn, like you yeah, just, yeah, like, have no words. It's great. Like, yeah, finally. it's like filling back another layer. It's really yeah. interesting getting to know yourself and, uh, yeah, analysing your thoughts and your behaviours and where they come from and what's mm. the the deeper meaning behind the behaviour because the behaviour is just the behaviour but there's always something beyond that. There's a reason why we're doing what we do. Yes, absolutely. It it becomes so much easier to like change those behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. So, with that in mind, um, how old were you when you kind of started first noticing um, your social anxiety symptoms? Mm, I would have been, I was probably 19. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting age for it, too. Yeah, which was lined up with leaving home, moving Mm -hmm. to a new city. Um, pre, Pre that, I was, well, obviously in high school um, and I graduated late from my age, um, which is why I left home at 19 and not 18. Um, and I was in a K to 12 year, um, K to 12 school and I repeated a year, which means I was, pro- I was in school for 14 years, the same school, the same friends. Wow. So um, I didn't go through that whole thing of making a new friendship group and maintaining French friendships from an old school. I didn't go through having friends in multiple areas of my life. They were all at school. I went there every day. I was forced into a situation, not forced, (laughs) I enjoyed it, but like the situation was there for me to socialise each day. And so when that went away, I think I had a bit of a hard time. But that being said, looking back now in high school and even in primary, I have memories of my mum really pushing me to pick up the phone and ask a friend round over on the weekend. It was Mm. never something that I really took on my own 
sort of off my own ideas. It was very much like a mum had to remind me that mm-hmm. I had friends that could come over and socialise. Yeah, that's really <laughs> interesting. With yeah. that, with that, did you were you like living in a small town or like a what size was mm. it? So I grew up in Coffs Harbour, which is oh, okay. happens to be where I'm back to right now. <laughs> it's an interesting experience being yeah. back where you grew up, um, which is a fairly um, it's a large town mm. or a small city. Um, yeah, it's pretty big. But I was also an overly I was an only child. So even like, and that's another thing that I think really, I never got that experience of conflict between siblings. Um, yeah, that's, and that's so, a whole ride. <laughs> oh, it is a whole ride. And I, I honestly don't envy you. It sounds it, like to me, it's like the most scary thing for a lot of people. It's very normal and well, it's just conflict between siblings. Isn't okay. it? You just grow um, up brawling so basically. Fight. Sorry. You just grow up brawling, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I never learned to fight. I never learned um, that conflict was normal between your peers. Mm. And so whenever conflict came about, it was a very big and scary thing. Wow. Yeah. That's a really good point, actually. I never really thought of that because um, most of my friends growing up, they had siblings. So I guess we were mm. kind of all in the same boat, but we did have one who was an only child and her parents were quite a bit older when they had her. Mm. Yeah, I just, I never even would have thought to like think about that she wouldn't know about, mm. yeah, the conflict and like your parents mm. would treat you differently, not in a bad way, but um, if you're the only child, you know, it's you get a lot more one-on-one time than compared to having like four or five siblings like I did. Yeah, and around. you get a lot more time on your own too. Mm. So there's a lot more, um, I've, I was certainly a lot more comfortable with my own company than any of, I was, I think I may have been the only, only child in my friendship group growing Uh up. And I was a lot more comfortable just being on my own than they were. Um, And also just conversing with adults and yeah, being like a mini adult was the (laughs) way that I sort of grew up. Yeah. I love that though. It's cute. I could just picture you doing that, just like going to all the dinner parties and sitting at the table and chatting stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I really didn't. As a kid, I really didn't have that, like, I'm a kid, they're an adult kind of thing. I was like, I can sit at the table and talk adult stuff. Mm. Not that I could, but I really did have that belief in my mind. Yeah, Um, actually, I did too. Yeah, (laughs) maybe it's just a kid's thing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but I, it really sort of read its I wouldn't say reared its ugly head, but that's what, yeah, I just said that um, <laughs> when I was. <laughs> Probably felt like it. <laughs> I don't want to say that it's an, it's an ugly thing. It's a normal thing. Social anxiety is a very normal and mm-hmm. experienced thing. Um, but, yeah, I really started experiencing it when I was 19. I, I moved in. I moved to Melbourne. I moved in with a couple of my friends um, from high school Um, which didn't go as well as we all imagined. Um, Mm. Living with your high school friends is very different to seeing them every day at school. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very, very different. Um, So long story short, it went a bit south um, and we decided to not live together anymore Mm. Um, and I filled the rental with some girls that I was doing uni with. And again, it was very much like I was going to uni. I was doing full time at a private college, which meant Monday to Friday at uni. Um, Very much like high school. It was nine to five, Monday to Friday. Mm -hmm. Everyone had the same schedule. Everyone had the same lunchtime, very um, high school like and so yeah that's really again, interesting I was very forced to see my friends and to into social situations so I really thrived there was definitely little things that I noticed at that point but it was really when I dropped out of uni and all of that fell away that um mm-hmm. mm, that security network of seeing people every day that's when it really started to show yeah and, yeah so what was the, so you mentioned to me before that you did um, end up seeking professional help, which is amazing mm-hmm. and mm. something that I recommend everyone do. I did it um, when I was going through some grief and it literally mm-hmm. 
changed my life. Like if I didn't do it, I'd probably still be a mess now, like nearly two years Mm -hmm. on. So yeah, there's no shame in asking for help. Um, And what was your catalyst to kind of going like, okay, I need to see someone, I need to speak to like a Mm. professional and get some advice? Yeah. So um, I was living in Geelong. We'd moved after a couple of years in Melbourne and I was living with my boyfriend and I had started my first business, which was a fashion styling business. Oh, and cool. I was doing a lot of, yeah, it was really cool. And I was doing a lot of collaborating with um, women in the area and other women in business. And I'd landed myself a pretty cool collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a point in the collaboration where we had a meeting And I didn't see eye to eye with one of the other women I was collaborating with. Um, And I would have only been 21 at the time, I think. Um, And it was my first one. It was probably my first experience of a meeting meeting. Mm -hmm. Um, And secondly, it was probably one of the first times I'd really experienced conflict in such a business-like yeah. way and I didn't understand it and I didn't, I mean, conflict to me is just like it's conflict, I want to get out, it's emotional, mm. very difficult for me to like not show my emotions and be very logical in that in that situation. So mm. it went south, we disagreed and I have to say and I have to be honest, I don't feel like the woman I was disagreeing with dealt with it in a particularly great way. Mm -hmm. Um, As soon as we like realized that we were disagreeing, all of a sudden I got ignored. So in the meeting I would say something and it was like, she looked straight through me and it was like, she's not going to speak to me anymore. So, and I was in that meeting for another hour and I couldn't get out and everyone around me was ignoring it. Um, and it was just really embarrassing. Yeah, so, it's horrible. Yeah, it was absolutely horrible. And I left the meeting um, and got in my car and absolutely bored my eyes out. It was the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened mm. to me. Um, and then weeks and weeks went on and I just couldn't um, shake the anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so I just had to get help. It was like someone has to make this stop. Yeah. And so I got help. Yeah. Good on you. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm so proud of you because that's yeah. the hardest thing is being like, oh, I can't really- do this by myself. Someone yeah. help me. Yeah. Mm. And um, the interesting thing about the whole experience and a big mistake that I did with getting help was I seeked the help of a psychologist who was in the same business um, networking group that I was in. And so she knew the woman who I had had conflict with. Mm -hmm. And so I really admired this psychologist. She was really up my alley. She had the balance of spiritual and holistic and she had her psychology and all of that sort of thing. So it was really beautifully balanced and she was Mm -hmm. extremely passionate about what she did. But in choosing her, I'd locked off the thing that I needed to talk about. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to address the issue and say that I have, I'm experiencing social anxiety, but I'm not going to talk about the thing that really triggered me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she helped, but in the same instance I didn't allow it to go to the place that it needed to go so that's something that's really important when you're choosing um someone to get help from make sure it's someone that you feel comfortable with Mm -hmm. being an open book because otherwise it's really it can be um well it helped but it didn't help to the extent it could have yeah that's yeah. a really good point, actually. Did yeah. you ever um, reach out to, did you ever like use Headspace? Because that's where I went to and they were mm. brilliant. Like I really liked mm. their services. Um, and like the day I went in, 
I had a, I kind of just got back from a funeral at work and just like went back to work the next day and I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. Bawled my eyes at it, look, looking at emails. I'm like, I need to go. And then mm. right around the corner from our office was Headspace. So I just walked up and I was just crying. I'm like, please, I just need to talk to someone. And they got me in straight away. Um, oh, yeah, they were really great. Gave me an hour of their time just to chat. And then she's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what you need to do. Um, mm. And then I basically got like a mental health plan, I think, a couple of days later. And mm-hmm. I was booked in with them. And that's something that I think a lot of people I didn't know about before I went there, that if you're mm. under 25, like Headspace is free and I think you can get up to 10 sessions a year, oh, completely free. Yeah. I so you have to go that. get like a referral from a GP, like for a mental health yeah. plan, which isn't yeah. too hard because you have mm. the recommendation from Headspace. Mm. And yeah, it was so good because I was worried like, oh, you know, how expensive is this going to be? But yeah, you can get like yeah. 10 sessions a year for free and it's just completely That's worth awesome. it. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone so, is listening yeah. and they need help, yeah, that's, go to that's Headspace. really good definitely Mm. um it's really interesting how you bring up the mental health plan because I think it was about a year ago I was working in my day job and again I think conflict is something that really like just irks me and I had a Mm -hmm. disagreement with one of my co-workers not in like a in a, a bad way it was just like this can you deal with this and I was like this isn't my thing to deal with. Can someone else deal with it? It was very like on the surface conflict, but it it really triggered me. And um, so I went out to um, my GP and I was, I think I was really looking for someone to tell me at that point and um, that it was time for me to leave my job. Um, because mm-hmm. I didn't like it in a lot of other areas. So I was like, I can't do my job because I'm anxious. <laughs> um, really just looking for a way out. Um, and he put me on a mental health plan. That's good. However, the problem, I didn't end up following through with the mental health plan um, because they call you to set it all up like you set it up in or for me this is how it went Mm. they set it up in the gp's office and then i got a phone call to like book in my sessions probably with headspace and all of that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but the phone calls oh my god i'm a millennial through and through and i don't answer (laughs) phone calls from an unknown number (laughs) wow yeah that's really interesting that halted me yeah that's so interesting I wonder mm. if it was different. Um, well, I'm in Queensland, so I don't know if that's any difference. But Maybe I also live in Cairns, so there's only kind of one. Um, there's only one office, so I was really mm. lucky that I could just walk there from work. And mm. I think maybe that's why I just cut out the phone calls because I would just like, yes. okay, here's the paperwork, and then I'd just walk it to the office, and then then I could yeah. speak to them in person. So yeah, because mm. yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't I'd answer unknowns I- either. <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm too scary. Yeah, um, telemarketers. Like, weird, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, well, I was in Melbourne, so there's a lot mm, of offices. Yes, there was a lot much of, bigger. I may have been um, being lined up for someone in that GP's um, building because they had psychologists, so it could have mm. been very much like within that um, thing and they were very busy and so mm. it wasn't like I could just go, to the front desk and the women there have a chat time to like set it up then so that would be another piece of advice for anyone listening is um either yeah I think make sure that the people that you're going to see also have the time and the space to really help or like yes or even if you're with your GP say look like can you text me can the women at the front desk text me um, and I'll text back rather than is that possible Mm. rather than the phone call or, um, yeah, I think you need to be very honest about where you're at. Yes, what you're comfortable with, definitely, Mm. Mm. because that is Mm. such a barrier um, even Mm. just to modern healthcare these days. Like I'm lucky because the GP that I use, it is like a bulk billing clinic but surprisingly, yeah. it's got um, like a scheduling service. So you can just go online and book your appointment online. So it's brilliant. And then you yeah. get an email, you get a text message. 
Um, sometimes they will send you a text to confirm and it's really mm. nice because you don't have to speak to anyone if you don't want to. And yeah. I just, yeah. I really look at hearing that from you. Yeah, I really do appreciate that actually because sometimes you're like, I just don't want to st- speak to anyone. I just want to get it done. Yeah, exactly. I had an experience earlier this year where I really needed to get into a GP um, um, and I needed to see women's health. Mm-hmm. And here in Coffs Harbour, women's health is um, like really, really limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and I called around to everyone. You need like a GP to sign off on it. And I really wanted a female doctor and mm-hmm. all of that kind of shebang. Um, I was looking up for a three month wait. And wow. it was really difficult picking up the phone and being like, look, I just have the most painful period pains and I just want mm-hmm. someone to like help. Yeah. Um, and being turned down again and again and again. And that's where like I eventually just only contacted clinics with like the booking system because it was just mm. like, to, yeah, it was just so much easier and smoother and I don't know, a better experience. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. that you mentioned that because I had uh, a similar issue with uh, period pains as well where I was mm. just getting very, very intense um, to the mm. point where I felt like I was going to vomit, pass out for the mm-hmm. first few days of my cycle. Mm-hmm. And the doctor that I was going to just wouldn't take me seriously, essentially. Yeah, they don't. They and don't. I had to basically like get pretty get pretty angry with them and be like no book me in for like an ultrasound or a scan or something we need to i need to make sure that there's nothing physically wrong and i think mm. it took me like a few sessions for him to actually say yes and then next time i booked in um because it is a bulk billing they cycle through doctors mm. i got a woman doctor and she was amazing and she saw what my prescription was and she's like why have they given you this there's something specifically for period pain that will mm. work a lot better and she prescribed it and it's amazing. And I'm like, I've just gone through months of like hell and really like, time. yeah. Yeah. I think I've been dealing with it since I was 16 and I even went to the, so I managed to get into the specialist and went through That's all of good. the rigmarole and waited my, I think it was like another four months to get into the specialist. And it's just, I think she might've been the only one in the area. It was just really tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who are in this, in the city, you're very, very lucky. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, and it was, she basically turned around and was like, this is just the way it is. This is the way it is. What? This is how it is. You're, there's nothing wrong. This is just the way it is. And no, so that's not now right. I'm like, now it's going down the natural medicine mm-hmm. path. I've spoken to friends who are naturopaths and they're like, this is not the way that it should be. Like, no, not to, at all. You know, there's something that's not, if you're throwing up and, all of that sort of thing. There's your body shouldn't be responding in that sort of way. Women are de- built to withhold and deal with it. And if your body isn't dealing, yeah, with it, our bodies are built for it. It shouldn't be reacting negatively. Definitely, no, well, that's something. It's not going to be comfortable, but yeah, you know, but it it shouldn't be to the point where you know you're struggling to function. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking mm-hmm. forward to, I'm hoping to doing um, an episode on like period talk and endometriosis, mm-hmm. especially because I have a few friends um, who have recently been diagnosed yeah. with it and their yeah. battle to just get a diagnosis was insane. Oh, like yeah. they had to literally fight with GPs to get a, like get a referral. And even then mm-hmm. like the wrong doctor, if they don't know enough about it, you won't get diagnosed correctly. And yeah, it's a whole other what thing, which is me so with, intense. With it is, there's so many. I know, like, I think I might have more female friends who have it than don't. Mm. And um, what surprises me is the diagnosis process is so vague, and they don't pick up on it. But there's so many women with it. Yeah, just like, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's an, yeah. It still blows my mind. Like every time I speak to one of my friends who have it, they give me new information. I'm like. Why is that not like available? You know, why does everyone not know that? Like, yeah, should be learning this in school. This process so difficult, and like, yeah. they really have to push. Mm. Um, I think I've only had one friend who had it really easy. Where I think the doctor had probably seen quite a few women with it recently, and was like, okay, and now I know. Mm. Now I'm like, and she had a really smooth process, but other than that, yeah. 
it's been yeah it's, it's a tricky thing and that in itself is like such a cause for anxiety as well especially because it mm-hmm. tends to manifest towards your late teens and your mm-hmm. 20s obviously when we're getting our periods and stuff is changing and oh god like I remember I used to get so stressed about it and I would honestly oh, yeah. before I got this medication that actually numbs my, my pain I would just dread my periods and be like, oh my God, I don't want them. I'm like getting like stressed every single month about having them Mm. because I knew I wouldn't be able to work, which is Mm. a whole other thing. Like not being able to work when you've got it and knowing that you're losing money because of your body and there's nothing you can do. It's yeah, that's pretty full on. And it's something that I think definitely needs to be spoken about more. So stay tuned yeah. for that one <laughs> yeah I'll be I'll definitely be listening along and <laughs> nodding my head to probably mm-hmm. all of it like, mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah definitely oh my yeah. gosh well this has been great I've got a few more questions um cool. on like the social anxiety so mm-hmm. we've actually had I'm loving this conversation like I always yeah, write down awesome. my questions and I kind of yeah. like glance over I'm like no nah, we don't need it we don't need to ask that this is good yeah. enough this is great yeah but I do want to know, like, if um, having social anxiety as a 20-something, if it's changed um, anything for you or you feel like it's um, stopped you from doing anything or you've had to, like, adjust to kind of adapt to it and to mm-hmm. kind of get into a nice flow um, or rhythm. <laughs> yeah. So for a while, this is, like, this is a big question. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Initially, okay, so the reason why I started my business interestingly is I got to the point where it's like I don't want to go to work and see people and I just want to stay home and in my comfort zone and so that Mm -hmm. was really the big driver to starting my business initially and so it wasn't really about like how could I help people I was like how can I make money so that I don't have to go to work so that I can stay at home and be remain in my comfort zone which is really it's running away yeah Um, but luckily like when it comes to starting a business, I, what I didn't realize was I was actually in running away. I was running towards something that really was going to be even a bigger mirror to the issues of social anxiety and that it was going to be forced me to look at it even harder. Um, so I'm very lucky that I did it, but it didn't turn out how I wanted it to. So that was one thing I really struggled with keeping a job. Mm -hmm. other things that it's probably stopped me doing or I've had to adjust is for a long while I've had to really be quite comfortable and confident and practice confidence in not having very many friends, in having an extremely minute social circle Mm -hmm. and being confident in that and okay with that. Um... Because if I'm, I find if I'm down on myself for like being, it, not having that many friends and it's just making it worse and I'm just like beating myself up. So that's something yeah. that I've really had to consciously adjust to and be like, it's okay, you don't have friends. There's like, there's so many years in your life. And mm-hmm. yes, a lot of people, their twenties is all about like socializing and really like having a lot of fun and all of that stuff, which I do. I have a lot of fun. I just might not socialize. (laughs) Um, um, So, yeah, that's been just like an adjustment in being okay with that. And when I do socialize, and because Josh, my partner, he's got quite a few friends and he's very social. Mm -hmm. And since we've moved away from um, being close to those friends, they come and stay. And so I've had to be very comfortable with socializing and also being like, Hey guys, I don't, this is not what I usually do. This is, I don't have that many friends. You guys are probably, I socialize with Josh's friends more than I socialize Mm. with mine. Um, And just being okay with that. And it's that whole thing of like acting confident and no one will question you. And if I treat, treat it like it's a normal thing, then I don't have that like, oh, you have no no friends. You can't maintain friends that like judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. That's really good. Something. Um, and I had something else that came (laughs) up, but now it's gone away that I had to adjust. Um, oh, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't important. That's okay. You might (laughs) remember it with the next question. 
which is if you have any advice for women who either uh, suspect they may have social anxiety or they've recently been diagnosed, um, yeah, what would you say to them? Do you have any wise words? Yeah, definitely. Um, My first piece of advice would be that it takes you to consciously, yes, it's really awesome to go and see someone and to work on the um, issues that you have, but it's really important that you take responsibility for mm-hmm. um, and work on it yourself and and consciously do something about it um, yes. yourself um, because it's something that I really, when I started and I got into that situation where I was like, shit, I need help, um, it was very much like I just need someone to take this away from me Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're going into anything mental health you've, or challenges in life, you're moving towards it, not away from it. You're going to have to go through it and you're going to have to be uncomfortable and it's not going to be about um, someone just taking it away. It's going to be like, okay, well, I'm going to peel back all the layers and really like work hard on this. That's not easy, um, which is not what someone wants to hear a lot of yeah. the time. That, but, but it's true. It's the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff that's really helped me beyond going to see a psychologist and doing that side of things has been um, EFT tapping has been absolutely amazing. And I would hmm. say if anyone's like, holy shit, this is, this is me. I mean, any challenges I recommend EFT tapping. <laughs> um, you can YouTube it. Um, yeah, I have to do that. They're really great. Yeah, they're great. Um, And so if I need to tap into more confidence or I need to really release worry about what people are thinking of me, then I'll go to EFT tapping and work through it like that. So, yeah. Then that's something you can do do on your own. So going to see someone is just too difficult, but you still are at that place where it's like this needs to stop and I want to work on it. Um, Then go to YouTube, start looking at EFT tapping and that would be where I would start. Is that something you can do on your own? Yeah, that's great advice. And it's free, so even better. It's completely accessible. Yeah, exactly. What about for um, us as the allies, so people who don't have social anxiety but maybe we have friends or family members who do have it, how can we support or best support someone Mm. with it and just, you know, not get in the way of their... um, the journey, I suppose. Yeah, it's. I think it would be different for everyone because everyone's mm. ang- social anxiety and shows up differently. Um, but I would say that those who do have it or think they might have it, I think that there's something really because a lot of our friends and family may not have a name for it or may not understand the reasoning mm. why you're, you're behaving in a particular way and they can take it quite personally. Um, And it can be quite hurtful. I mean, I talk about being like the friend that ghosts people. That's really not a nice thing to do. And so it's very important for me now when I'm making new friends and moving on with my social life and all of that sort of thing is stating, look, this is the process that my brain goes through and Mm -hmm. I want you to know that, like, like you said, if I don't reply, it's totally fine. And even if, for me, what is particularly helpful, and I know my mum does this, not that I really have a lot of social anxiety around my mum, but if I haven't replied for a little while, she goes, hey, are you going to reply to this? Like, (laughs) she knows that I need work in when I see something in replying. So if your friends and family know what you need to work on and what model you're trying, what behavior you're trying to model Mm -hmm. then they can like push you in that in towards that behavior yeah that's great advice still a little bit of positive encouragement yeah yeah that little bit of positive encouragement but also not being available for those family members or friends who go oh who respond negatively Mm. to what you're going through. So, oh, you need to make more friends. You need to put yourself out there more. Oh, you just like, you do it. You just go to that, that event. Yeah. And rip the band-aid it's off so and easy. Be fine. <laughs> mm. Yeah. 
I, yeah. I would not make myself available for that sort of behavior. And I know that's easier to say than it is done, but it can be as simple as like changing the subject. Yes. Um, if you don't want to be like, Hey, cause that's the thing with social anxiety. It, it will, for me, it's very hard to co- confront people and say, this is not okay. And this is a boundary I have. So it's just, I find just doing a pattern interrupt and changing the subject and maybe giving them a compliment or um, being like, oh, like it's so nice and warm or like just change the subject. Yeah, that's great advice because you don't have to participate in conversations that make you uncomfortable. You can just check out. And I think once you get that confidence, it's great. Yeah, and when you don't have to do it in a weird way. It can just Mm. be like you can just change the subject and say, I like your top. That's really nice. No one's going to be mad at you for complimenting them. Yeah, no exactly. One's gonna, like, <laughs> just compliment them. That's what I. That's something I find because I'm. Then I'm definitely not going to enter into conflict. Mm. I haven't ignored them. I've given them something nice, and I've changed the subject and got it away from something that's not serving me. And then I can get out of the situation, and I might not um, surround myself with that person for a while. Yeah, that's yeah. brilliant advice. Thank you. Yeah. So I have a few, a couple of final questions for you that I am mm-hmm. asking all of my guests. Uh, so rhythm and words explores the rhythm of women in their twenties. So I would like to know how you describe your own rhythm right now at 24. Mm, That's a really beautiful question. Thank you. It's at the moment at 24, it's very much like getting comfortable with who I am. Mm. and the way that my brain and patterns and the stories that I tell myself and recognising those stories and being like, okay, I tell myself that I can't maintain long-term friendships and this is how it shows up in my life and looking at that and going, hmm, do I want that in the next, like, five years of my 20s or six years of my 20s? Do I want that? Do mm-hmm. Am I... Am I going to be around for that or do I want to rewrite that? And so as much as it's it's been very much like head down, bum up in my business, it's also been head down, bum up in my own personal growth and like getting to know myself and just being like, okay, recognising, okay, that's who I am right now, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way um, for forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now it's, yeah, I think it's just very much about getting comfortable with who I am and, and yeah. Yeah. That's so important. I think that's the biggest lesson that we do learn in our twenties is just figuring out who you are and coming to and coming into your own. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have to look like everyone else working out who they are. I know that a lot of um, in their twenties, they'll travel. That's like your classic, like traveling, doing travel alone, mm. um, like self-discovery trip or, um, you know, any of that sort of thing that you coin with your twenties, it doesn't have to look like that. You still yes. can discover who you are from, from like, however you want to do your twenties. For me, it's starting my business and that's an incredible catalyst for working out who you are. Absolutely. You learn so much in business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> so how would you say your rhythm has changed compared to when you were in your early 20s, so like 2021? Mm, my rhythm in my early 20s was very um, scattered and mm-hmm. I would say quite anxious and it's interesting how I I still struggle with the anxiety but the way that I've it's I guess I I see it I'm picturing in my head in terms of like in my early 20s it was very much like running away from the problem and socializing and doing all of these like things that weren't weren't me and now it's very much like just sitting with myself and like sinking into um into it Mm -hmm. rather than being like just letting the anxiety jitter me around and all of that sort of thing (laughs) so it's got a lot slower things have got a lot slower um and in getting a lot slower I'm a lot more focused and the thing Mm -hmm. the goals that I wanted to have in my early 20s are now coming along so much quicker because I'm I'm practicing so much more focus rather than like being so scattered and being like I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do that and that's necessary that's part of learning but it's been a really nice change 
Oh, I love that. And finally, do you have any advice to the girls who are about to enter their 20s? As I feel like turning the big 2-0 often triggers an existential crisis of sorts. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a lot of advice. Um, <laughs> it could be a podcast in itself. Um, yes. Firstly, I would say that when you have an idea and a direction that you want to take in your life, um, because this is, I think when you hit the big two O, it's like, it's almost like, okay, what do I want to do? What, mm. what am I going to, am I going to go traveling? Am I going to, um, what kind of job do I want? Am I going to study? And I, I would say pay really close attention to the way that you feel when you have your ideas. Do you, does when you think, oh, I should go traveling, does that feel exciting and expansive or does that feel contractive and like, oh, that's what everyone else is doing so yeah. I need to do it or oh, all, the other, all of my other friends are going to uni so I need to do it. So it's pay attention to what feels really expansive and exciting because that's a sign that you need to move towards it. And if you can start to feel, learn that, then you can rather than worrying about what you're going to do, you're moving in the direction and naturally getting there without even worrying about it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I look back on my, my early twenties and the things that I coin as, um, failed, um, directions that I took in my 20, in my mm-hmm. early twenties, um, were directions that I went out of fear and out of like, I should do it. And the things that I learned really amazing lessons and I built upon and eventually led to where I am now were the things that I pursued and felt really excited about. So if you can, yeah, take those more than you take the fearful things. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Thank you. That's excellent advice. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. Yay. I can't wait to put it up. I'm so grateful that you've taken the time for you and this podcast today. I know how many shows are competing for your love, so thank you for choosing Rhythm and Words. If you like this episode, you can review us on Apple Podcasts and share this story with a woman who needs it. For more behind the scenes, you can catch us on Instagram at Rhythm and Words Podcast, online at rhythmandwords.com, or join the conversation in our Facebook group, Rhythm and Women.